This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Yes, welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. I'm Dean Hallatow. And my name is Sarah Nangama. Coming up in the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport and we have an interview with someone international, Marilyn Levate. It's been a big week. I'm looking forward to the show, but what's been going on in your week, Sarah? It's been a hectic week. It's been a hectic week. Uh, training, I feel like, has really vamped up because in a couple of weeks, uh, the Waratahs have their first test, uh, not first test, first match against the Queensland Reds. So preparation is heavily underway in the Waratahs HQ. What about you? Uh, yeah, business as usual. Football season's getting towards uh, origin. So that's always big on our calendar. And um, yeah, things are starting to tick into gear. There's been a lot happening in the NRL and around origin. So um, busy, busy people. Can't wait to get stuck into it. But something that I do want to talk about is there was a very, very heartwarming moment that happened in the boxing arena. It's not often you hear the word heartwarming and boxing arena in the same no, sentence. they're not but typically associated. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really nice. And on the undercard for Justice Hooney's fight last week, um, there was a boxer named Isaac Hardman and he had a victory. He got up and spoke post-fight about um, Paul Gallen, who was an announcer on the night and spoke about his own fight, obviously. But then um, before he wrapped up, he grabbed his, his coach or his trainer uh, and he wanted to make an announcement to, to everyone there at the event. And it was that he's engaged and he wants his trainer to be his best man. So it was really, really nice. It was so, so sweet. Yeah. It was really nice to see that um, he used that platform on TV to to ask his best man. I mean, it doesn't really top that, does it? No, it was – look, it was a little bit awkward when you well, – I didn't know where he was going when he started off with it. But, um, yeah, the, the ring announcer, she gave him the opportunity to uh, – yeah, Welcome his his trainer onto the, into the middle of the ring and yeah, make him his best man. Speaking of best man, how did you ask your best man? Did you ask him on TV or no? I didn't go that far. No, I um I think I just rang him up and oh no, I would have I would have seen him face to face. I've been married for that long that I can't remember what I did. <laughs> um, I was his best man, my best man, and we, we were oh, each that's other, nice. so um, it worked out well. No, nonetheless, a very special moment. Yeah, definitely. Can you be more Pacific? Plays of the Week. Let's get on to our Plays of the Week. Plenty uh-huh. happening, as we said, in sport, in rugby league. The Ron Massey Cup, the Silk Tales lost to Winnie Magpies again. So it's been a tough trot for the Silk Tales. Yeah, they haven't had a lot of luck the past couple of weeks. Um, and that score is so evident of it. I knew, I knew speaking to Wes Nangama, um, who is my older brother, that their, their work was going to be cut out for them heading out west. And yeah, hopefully the Silk Tales can build something from this because it's a couple of consecutive losses. Yeah, well, I know that the, the captain um, was, was called up to North's uh, Sydney Bears in the New South Wales Cup. He got another game on the weekend, which is great for him. But obviously, losing a leader in, in your pack is going to make things a lot more difficult. And the other Pacific side up in the Queensland Cup, the PNG Hunters, they lost again to the Redcliffe Dolphins. They're also going through a bit of a tough patch at the moment. Um, but the scoreline wasn't too bad. 24-12, they, they were still in the game. Yeah, absolutely. The Hunters had struggled in their last two matches. They've had a couple of injuries. They've had suspensions as well. Um, and they're certainly left them with 17 of uh, something like 18 plays to choose from. So they're, they're really struggling um, in terms of selections and I guess it's showing on the field as well. Yeah, hopefully they can um, they can get that win soon. And in the NRL, the Storm defeated the Broncos on Thursday night, 40-14. to 14. 
Uh, and the Cowboys, what a win over the Warriors, 29-28. Valentine Holmes coming clutch in, I believe, the last, was it 40 seconds yeah, of the match? Yep. His second field goal in about 21 days, it is a sensational accomplishment. Yeah, he's uh, going really well at the moment, Valentine Holmes, at number one at fullback there for the Cowboys. And, yeah, he couldn't have struck that kick any sweeter. It was just before the 40-meter line, so it was a one-point field goal. But uh, well done to Valentine Holmes and the Cowboys. They're, they're playing some really good footy at the moment. They... They had to overcome a, a late surge in Warriors who are playing good football but not getting the results at the moment. Uh, well done, the Cowboys. Very much so. And in other results, the Tigers defeated the Dragons 34-18. The Panthers continue to roll on. They beat the Bulldogs 30-4. One game that I'd love to talk about is the South uh, Sydney Rabbitohs over the Eels 38-20. It was a sensational match in that left-hand side for the Rabbitohs. Bet- uh, there was the combination between Dane Gagai and Alex Johnston. Just proved to be too strong. Both players earned a hat trick each, which is something that doesn't necessarily happen, but that was such a strong performance. Yeah, six tries on one side of the field to those two guys. And Dan Gagai actually set up two of Alex Johnston's tries. So he had a huge performance in Indigenous uh, round, which is something that um, he holds very, uh, fairly close to his heart, being a proud Indigenous man. And yeah, Alex Johnston, he continues to score tries at will at Stadium Australia. He's up to 12 tries for the season in total. So um, well done, Alex Johnston. Well done, the Eels. They needed to bounce back after a heavy defeat the week before against uh, the Panthers. And another game that was huge on the weekend was the Roosters over the Raiders, 44-16. And the young debutant uh, from a couple of weeks ago, Joseph Sawali, he gets his first try in the NRL. It's so exciting. He just debuted last week and in his second NRL match, he crossed the white line. Some people wait a very, very long time to one earn their, their first grade call-up, but then to cross the white line isn't something that happens often. So huge congratulations to the youngster. Yeah, it was great to see him score. He, he capitalized on a Lachlan Lamb bomb, a mistake made by the Raiders. He scored and uh, another player that was strong in that match was Joseph Manu. He filled in at 5'8". Sam Walker was ruled out before the game. Uh, there was a bit of a reshuffle. Joseph Manu, who's very versatile, normally a centre, scored two tries of his own, set up another try. He was uh, outstanding for the Roosters. Looking at this team list and all the people that scored a try, it looks like an under-7s team list. <laughs> There's so many people that scored a try on the weekend. Yeah, they did it They did it pretty easy in the, in the end, the Roosters. And uh, again, they're a team that's sort of been up and down for one of the team's other uh, competition's strongest teams. That they needed to get a good result and the poor Raiders uh, continue to struggle. Oh, well. Other results. <laughs> <laughs> the Sharks defeated the Titans 38-10. Big, big win from them. And the Knights defeating Manly 18-10. Yes, and in the Super Rugby, uh, we definitely had a sniff of success, you could say. Yep. Um, but the results from round three was Hurricanes defeated the Western Force 43-6. to Crusaders defeated the Waratahs, sorry, 54-28. to Blues defeated the Brumbies 38-10. to Highlanders defeated Rebels 42-27. to Give me a bit of a drum roll, Dean. However, the Reds defeated the Chiefs 40-34. to We did it. An Australian team finally won in the Trans-Tasman competition. So that's 1-14 for Australian teams at the moment. Yes, that's correct. Oh, no, sorry, I didn't want to put it out there like that. But well done to the Reds. <laughs> and look, they, they played in Townsville, so the conditions would have been really suitable for them. Hot and humid. The Chiefs wouldn't have known what they were walking into. Or they would have, but they probably weren't prepared for those kind of conditions. And uh, they almost let it slip away. The, the, the Chiefs mounted a bit of a comeback towards the end there, but um, yeah, well done Reds. Yes, a sensational effort from the boys and hopefully they can build on that performance. Yeah, it was particularly good performance from Siliasi Vunvalu. I know he's on the wing, but um, he contributed to one try, scored his own, and uh, he's always a threat when the ball goes near him. So well done for the former league convert. Strong finisher.
Over to the AFL and the Geelong Cats defeated the Collingwood Magpies. It was 61-51. to Isava Ratumulia scored his first goal of the season, so well done. How exciting. Yes, yeah, how exciting. And um, I don't know if we can bring in Rennell here because this is your this is your area, Rennell, the, the AFL. I do Good performance. Lo- I do love the AFL. From Geelong. Oh, look, it was a scrappy performance. Geelong should really be beating Collingwood in their current form by a much higher score. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, Asava's not been in the best form lately. Like he's just been getting back from injury. Yeah. So he's been building. So it's really good to see him come up with what was a spectacular goal. How did the Giants go this weekend? Well, Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Premier of the Queensland Government, wouldn't let them in on Friday. So they got sent back on Friday from the airport. So they had to get up early, fly up, play the Brisbane Lions, who are in excellent form. Uh, but... The boys looked tired. Um, they didn't play their best. They really let it go in the first quarter. So it wasn't a great performance from them. On the flip side, the Swans, who are my other team, because, yes, I have two teams and I don't <laughs> care, bring it. <laughs> they played so well and it was such a good game. It was really close all the way up until the end. The Swans played Carlton and it was Indigenous round and the Indigenous players really stepped up. Buddy Franklin was just, I love Buddy Franklin. And Eddie Betts, who I love unless he's playing my team, um, but he played phenomenally and he had a great goal as well. So it was a great round to watch except for the Giants game. Yeah, mm. but we're blaming Anastasia. For I'm that. blaming Anastasia. Travel I, actually takes it out of you, Dean. Have you ever travelled in and out the day that you're going to play? No, so I was lucky enough to be travelling day before game. We did once. Oh, though. must be nice. Yeah, it was <laughs> nice. Although speaking to a few players last year that had to do um, yes. same-day travel because of COVID and, um, yeah, government rules and whatever, a few boys actually really liked going up and back in the same day so then they could get home and they were always sleeping in their own bed. They, they tended to like it. Um, I don't know if I could handle it. There was one time we went to New Zealand and we caught a late flight out and we trained in Sydney, then we caught a late flight out and uh, it got delayed. So we didn't actually arrive in New Zealand until about one o'clock or 1.30 local time. Uh, which meant, you know, we weren't getting to bed till maybe two-ish and then playing the next day. It was a little bit disrupted and we played really poorly. So that's probably the only comparison I could have for like a disrupted prep. Well, as a as a women's rugby player, uh, there definitely is – that's pretty much majority of yeah. our, our travel is same day. So fly up to, say, Brisbane morning, early start, and then, you, you know, you have to be on and then you have to play and then your team manager's, like, rushing you out of the change rooms to get back on the buses. It's, it really does play on your performance. So, Rinal, I, I totally get where you're coming from, Thank sister. You. you are my favourite. We oh, know this. Oh, We've we established this. this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Shifting our attention over to the netball courts, the Giants lost to the West Coast Fever. It was their first loss of the season. They've started off really well, but unfortunately went down 66 to 65. That's one goal. That hurts. Yeah, that does hurt. Not a great weekend for the Giants franchise, but um, hopefully they bounce back next week. Oh, undoubtedly they will. They've been so strong this season. Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Today on Talanoa Time, we have someone international, Marilyn Levy, joining us. She has played the past five seasons in Farrah Palmer Cup, which is New Zealand's highest domestic competition. Marilyn is currently a part of the Montesina squad and is looking to be named to tour against the Wallaroos in July. 
So, uh, Marilyn, we're going to fire some rapid questions at you. We call it tip on. Uh, it's going to go very, very quickly. So answer as best you can the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay, I'll try my best. Beach or pool? Beach. Uh, which is better, the book or the movie? The movie. Uh, guilty pleasure? Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll roll with that. Instagram uh, or TikTok? What was that, sorry? Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. Uh, what are you reading, watching, or listening to right now? I am reading a book. What's your first concert that you went to? LAB. Uh, do you have a hidden talent? Yes. Texting? Singing. Okay, singing, nice. We'll have to get that later. Actually, that's not uh, inside talent. <laughs> <laughs> Texting or talking on the phone? Talking over the phone. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? 9.5. Oh, well done. Favorite movie as a kid? Uh, uh, Lion King. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? Oh, no, no. No. Oh, that's all we have time Never for our rapid questions. <laughs> well um, done. We're going to you, we're gonna have to get you to sing later. I was I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what what's the what's the book that you that you're into at the moment? Oh no, I'm reading the book that I'm about to read you guys now. <laughs> oh really? No, it's I, I just have all like my uh, my answers on like my answers for you guys' questions. Oh okay okay. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Marilyn, thank you so much for joining us this morning. For our listeners who are tuning in, could you just give us a, a quick rundown of where you're currently living and who you are currently playing for? Yeah, of course. So I am in Palmerston North, New Zealand. So it's a small town in um, the lower North Island, two hours away from Wellington. Um, and I play for Kiato, which is my club. Um, and I also, being selected, we were selected on Sunday um, for the Manawatu Cyclones. So it's a regional competition that we have here in New Zealand, playing for the Farah Palmer Cup. Um, Farah Parma is also a legend in the Black Fringe. So, um, yeah, so that's the competition that we're in. Um, it's about to kick off soon. Um, also, sorry, what was the other? Um, no, that's question? so fine. Well, congratulations, first of all, on your selection. I also am a rugby player, so I'm very familiar with the Farah Parma Cup. Yeah. Are you looking forward to the competition? Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. That's awesome. Oh, it, yeah. Just with um, like last year was quite um, a write-off just with COVID, but this year we're, we're, um, we're ready and can't wait to get on that field with the one or two Cyclones women's Mar- team. Marilyn, with last year being that write-off, what, what did you do to, to try and say, I guess, keep your rugby skills honed and um, stay, stay engaged with the game as much as possible? Yeah, we just had to work with what we had at home. Um, just with any weights or doing running, um, just know that, you know, something could happen. We'll, the competition will still go ahead. Um, but, you know, with um, the coaches and the man- management um, kept us on our feet to, you know, just get up and get going because, you know, something's going to happen and we're looking forward to that. So we're just aiming to um, getting ready for um, FBC, um, the Farah Palmer Cup. And can you um, 
Yep. Sorry, sorry, Marilyn. Sorry to cut you off. Um, no, you're all right. Can you uh, take us back to when rugby started for yourself and uh, how you first got into it? Oh, okay. So, like my years at high school, or like my years at school or high school, I never liked rugby. I, I was a netball girl because <laughs> I'm quite short and stocky. Like you know, I didn't have the body for netball, but I enjoyed it anyways. Um, but it wasn't till when I finished high school and I started my first job at New Zealand Post. Um, I met who is now my best friend, and she is also a former Manusina player, Wanda Leota. So she introduced introduced me to um, rugby. So she picked me up and took me to my first training club training with Kiatoa, and that's when it took off. Um, the environment, the culture, the um, I just felt. I felt like I was involved. I felt welcomed. I felt like I, I've been playing for quite quite a while, and then it lifted off from there. And so, um, first season I played um, lock flanker. I was playing from one to fifteen because the Utility coach wanted girl. to see. <laughs> yeah, well, the coach wanted to see, um, like you know where, um, you know. Um, the potential that I um, position I could be in, and so yeah, so it was just a um, just a play around, um, and yeah, so they saw potential in me, so they kept me at flanker. So I was playing six, um, and then second season in, um, played flanker, and I was selected for the one or two cyclones. So um, that's when everything, the whole environment changed. Because um, the Manawatu region, um, women's regionals, um, that was like a next level for me. And so that's when I was introduced to strength and conditioning, nutrition, um, compulsory training, team trainings nearly every second day of the week. And as well as playing set, um, playing on Saturdays. And um, that's when I started to... Um, actually take everything in depth and focus on what I actually really wanted to do instead of just playing rugby just for the fun of it. I yeah, like I still play for the fun of it, but um, I felt that I was, I had the potential to keep going. And so, um, you know, with all the learnings throughout the um, like club trainings, club um, games and the mistakes um, and also the, the trainings that I did, it's, you know, it's um, what's made me the player I am today. Um, so everything that happened, it started from the roots, which is club rugby and which is Kiyotoa here in the Manawatu. I love that you speak about when you went to the next level of the competition, the environment, um, it changed so much, including, I guess, the expectations that are placed on players. Yeah. I just want to press fast forward on that to your experience within the Manusina, um team. Could you tell us about that call up in the first time that you got to don the jersey and represent your country? Oh, I'm quite, I'm still speechless till this day, even though I've been in the camp, like, campaign like the last campaign I think it was four campaigns I just felt like I was just floating on water it's something that you can't really explain I was just more blessed and grateful um, for the opportunity because never in my life that I would ever reach to that peak like I would never reach international level Um, when I saw that they were um, looking for 
like if anyone was interested in playing Manusina, I had seen it online. And I was like, oh, okay, so I've been in um, playing rugby for five years. You know, maybe this is something. And I thought I would just sign my name up. I had no intentions at all, like, of going international. Um, but, yeah, so when I first put on that jersey on my, like, first game, it was a breathtaking moment. And it really took me back to um, my country, which is our beloved Samoa and also with um, my family and friends and it just I reflected on so much when we um, sung the national anthem that's when it hit me and that's what kind of yeah everything was just yeah it was amazing it was a it was a good feeling and I always feel that every time I make the Manusina team because we like Manusina we they're always producing a new team and so have to keep working hard to make that team because it's something that um, I will always strive for and for my country as well. Marilyn, it's, it's great to hear your, your passion for, for wearing uh, your Samoan jersey. And I just wanted to ask, it sounds like you've got so much on your plate in terms of your, your rugby career and juggling being mm. a mother as well. How, how is that uh, for you, having to um, juggle the life of, of applying as much as you can yourself to, to rugby, but also uh, the different hats you wear as a mother? Yeah. To be honest, it's it's not easy, but it's doable. Like you have the, you, like I have support. I have the resources. My coaches have been amazing. And, um, you know, without the help, without the village, like the village that will help bring up, um, you know, like my, my child, um, that's what's kept me going and um, I wouldn't want to um, stop doing it because, you know, you have people that, that see the best in you. And so um, knowing that I have that support system and knowing that I'm loved, I will keep going, even though it's hard. Like, it, like it's never easy. Like, I can speak for all mothers, but it's doable. Um, it's what's kept me going, so... I love it's it. the bonus oh, that I have. I'm so sorry, Melanie. I didn't mean to to chime in, but okay. I I just it resonates so much with the, with me when you said that it's hard, but it's doable. And I think you're doing an incredible job. And the fact that you are making the international side and um, still in the fold speaks volumes yeah. of your character. So I just want to commend you on that. Um, oh, fast forward you. to July, I believe. Not I believe. I know that there is a test match between Manusina against the Wallaroos. Is that something that you have your eyes? Um, set on oh yeah yeah definitely oh, yeah. <laughs> like you know the Wallaroos they're ranking that top five um the women's world rugby and um you know just speaking with um Ramsey the Manusina coach you know he you know he told me that you know the last time Manusina played the Wallaroos you know um it was 80 nil to the Wallaroos and this was um I think this was a couple of years back and I've remembered and once, um, you know, once they um, confirmed that we're versing um, the Wallaroos, I was like, no, we're going to make a statement. I was like, we're going to make a statement. And, you know, it's it's not going to be 80 mil, but, you know, I'm thriving. I, I just can't wait. I'm excited. Um, but the thing is, is that like every campaign, there is always a different team. And it's just a matter of producing a good team. And so... Like we have made history um, when Manusina had started up again in 2018 
And yeah, from there, it's been a journey. But finding out that um, we're versing the Wallaroos, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry to get out there. I love that. A bit of a fun fact is I actually made my, um, so I'm in the Wallaroo squad and I made my debut for Aussie development against Manusia in the Oceania tournament back in 2019. Yes. yes. So um, I feel like God willing, if we're both given the opportunity, we might be up <laughs> against each other. Well, I'm proppy. <laughs> I'm prop, so I'm gonna have to try and catch you. I'll, I'll, I'll catch you in the line out. Um, but no, nonetheless, <laughs> it's um, it's been sensational speaking to you this morning. Um, by the sounds of it, preparation is well underway, and um, both Dean and I wish you all the best with your upcoming preparation for for the rest of this season. Hey, thank you guys so much for this opportunity um, to speak with you. It's, with you guys, it's, it's, it's a blessing um, to, to also get this out on radio as well, and to um, you know just to spread the uh, like women's rugby and um, knowing that we're we're growing the women's rugby and it's just amazing. Um, thank you guys so much for that and having the women's rugby back. Pleasure <laughs> is all ours. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us. Thank you. You guys have a blessed day. That was Marilyn Levy joining us, and she's hoping to play against yourself, Sarah, in July. That'll be a great series. That would be a great series. The first thing, though, is to be to be named in the squad, but I am very much looking forward to it nonetheless. Best of luck. Thank you. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Be more Pacific, talking all things sport across the Pacific. Coming up next, we've got a new segment in the ruck, and we'll stalk some of the best social media from the week. This week, we're really excited to bring a new segment to our show. It is titled In the Ruck, and the purpose of this segment is to tackle the tough headlines in sport. And Dean, you and I have been involved, or you have, and I'm currently still involved in sport, but something that currently surrounds us uh, is, is media. And sometimes those headlines can be true or untrue. Sometimes we agree, we disagree. But I think this um, segment will be great because we can delve a little bit deeper, deeper and give perspective that perhaps could be missed in the public. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this has popped up because of uh, a tennis player who many people will know, Naomi Osaka. She's withdrawn from the French Open and she's going to take time away from the court to focus on her mental health. This was preceded by her announcing that she wasn't going to be doing any media at the event um, because of that fact, the the social media or media in general, sorry, um, having a real impact on people's mental health. Um, She mentioned uh, when a match is finished and, and you probably lost the match and, and things aren't going so great and then having to front up to the meter after that, it can be quite challenging and, and right in the midst of going through that emotional roller coaster of a performance, um, yeah, she, she wasn't happy with uh, the prospect of doing that and it was just to shine a light on it. She said in a tweet that clips of athletes breaking down after loss in the press room is kicking people while they're down. I... I can absolutely understand where she's coming from. However, before we delve a little bit deeper, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think because she's a tennis player and because she has this profile, she does naturally have a responsibility and should front up regardless of how she feels? Yeah, I think that's that's the argument that, that a lot of people would make is that that's part and parcel with being a professional athlete is fronting up to media, whether it's a win or a loss and, um, and how you handle a loss is, is really important. Being humble in victory but being, uh, being able to handle the defeat in a, in a good way and, and not, um, 
yeah, not kick stones and not be down, but it's it's very natural and very human to be disappointed. And there's a lot of pressure, no doubt, for an individual sport like tennis on a world stage where there's so much attention. There'd be so much pressure that they're faced with, and and having to yeah get through that or go through that period that that uh, grieving process after losing a match to then have to put together some really good answers in front of the media. I can imagine that'd be quite challenging. So I empathise with where she's coming from in that point. I feel like there is that responsibility as well. I know in a team sport, um, there's a lot of fans that would support a team that perhaps you play for and and having to front up and let the fans know how you're feeling after a game is a really good thing. I think if they see uh, their athletes disappointed and, and down and upset about a loss, shows that they care and, and fans will probably be less critical or less harsh following that? I think her reaction probably comes after some really bad experiences yeah. with the media. And I think in that regard, her response is validated to me personally. That's what I think. Um, however, I do believe in a, in a great saying by a great author named Brene Brown, that clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And I think she's been really upfront as to the reasons why yeah. she's stepping away. And I think that if people can't respect that in this period of life, she's clearly going through our season. And if we are people that say that we care for people's mental health, then we should be able to stand by words. And also this competition as well, you know, they don't, they want to start finding her. I get that there is a responsibility that comes with it, but she's going through a really rough patch. So I think this is also an opportunity for tennis as a sport to to show how they support a player when they're going through a really tough time in their life. Yeah, it's a good point you make and, and um, referencing Brene Brown like with, with Naomi saying that she's going to stand, it's, it's, going to, it's going to take a lot of courage for her to actually front up to that to make a stand and then to step down um, actually takes courage. So um, she's showing a vulnerability and, and she's doing that. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Do you think it's harder for her because she's on her own as yes. opposed to when you're in a team yeah, yeah. and you can kind of grieve with your teammates and kind of rally each other, whereas she's on her own standing up there, like everything's on her at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it would be – um, difficult in a, like different in an individual sport. I think in team sports, individuals still feel things the same way in terms of the um, yeah the disappointment um, after a loss. But you're right, having you know another 16, 17, 18 people that you played with on the field at the same time, yeah, it would be would be a bit easier, I guess, to to work through that together. Um, so yeah, I can completely understand that it's a, it's a different prospect when you're an individual athlete. Well, I think all we have to do at this point is just send her our love and thoughts. And I'm sure over the next couple of weeks, this will unfold a bit more, but hopefully we see her um, come to a better place. Yeah, I agree. Uh, can I also add just one thing, sorry to, to jump back, is okay. that um, there's also a responsibility from media to ask. They can ask questions about a performance, but if it's asked in a in a, a courteous or polite, polite way, or if they ask the questions respectfully, then I think the tone is really important from from media that ask questions. Absolutely. And I think it's also hugely, I guess how an athlete will take it is hugely dependent on how they deliver that, the, yes. the language yeah. that they use, the way that they choose to deliver. And sometimes I think that media are intentional about that because they know that they could trigger the person yes. that's behind a mic. So the, the onus is also on media to look after the people that are in front of a mic or behind a mic. Is what, 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 behind a mic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, uh, no, I absolutely agree with you there, Dean. Shared responsibility. And over again to the NRL, the Origin squads were announced this week. How bloody exciting. Very exciting. Any uh, standouts for yourself, Sarah, in the New South Wales side in particular? 
Well, you can't talk about the New South Wales side without mentioning Brian Tor'or and Jerome Luai's inclusion. Uh, Brian Tor'or has had six tries from 12 appearances so far this season, and he is second leading in the NRL tackle bus. I think his number count is at 73. So it's really exciting to see the boys that folded, uh, uh, sorry, included in the fold. Throughout the, the New South Wales list, I think they have a really strong side. Yeah, they do have a strong side. Probably the area that uh, when I look at that side and think that they um, maybe are miss, where they're missing the most is in the back row. They're bringing it, but that being said, Tarek Sims is having a great season, so he's been brought in. Cameron Murray, we know, is a really good player. He's more um, more used to playing at 13 or in the middle of the field, but he'll do a job on an edge. So there's no question about the talent those guys have got. But I would have thought if Angus Crichton was available, he would have been probably the first picked. And Tyson Frizzell, unfortunately, was injured on the weekend, so he misses out on selection as well. Um, I thought those two guys may have been in the mix, but... It's a very strong side nonetheless, uh, like you say. The team list looks like a very versatile bunch of players, but also a lot – the players are the, – the the nature of these players, I believe, are a lot more like playmakers. Yeah. So not necessarily your hard-hitting – like they are hard-hitting forwards, but all of them are so capable of playing the ball rather than just tucking it under their arm and running straight into them. Yeah, contact. it's it's an ad lib footy looking side. They, they they play eyes up footy, so what's in front of them they play, and I think we're going to see that from the New South Wales side. Um, and what about the Queensland side? Is there any any standouts for you in the Queensland side, or is it as you expected? Uh, no, I I look at this side and I think it's very strong. Someone that I love seeing there is Xavier Coates. He's obviously been very impressive for the Brisbane Broncos. He had a really strong performance on the weekend. He's twenty years old. He's bloody tall, he's bloody strong, <laughs> and I just know he's going to menace um, in the Origin Series. Yeah, he's, he's great. He had his debut Origin Series last year, and the smile on his face after the game, when I've I seen a, a post, post-match interview he did with one of the broadcasters, and you could not wipe the smile from his face. Uh, he was so excited, and he seems like a kid that's really enjoying being in the first grade system. I will say it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Kalen Ponga. He's nursing a groin injury at the moment, so whether or not he takes his place in the side, there's still a long way to go before the game, but um, I think he'll be fine. I know they've got AJ Brimson on the bench who could cover that as well as Valentine Holmes, who we know has been playing really well at number one. I was watching an interview yesterday that Paul Green um, had sat in and he spoke about the calls that he made and there were some players, um, you know, players that have been included in the fold many times before that commented that that call never gets old, that they'll always look forward to it, that it always makes them feel special. Um, however, he said it was the cause to the likes of, and please correct me here, Joe Ofugawi? Ofugawi. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, players like him who, you know, he plays for the Tigers, they haven't necessarily been performing very strongly this season and wasn't really expecting the call. However, when he did, it was – he. Green said it was one of the nicer calls to make because you could really sense the appreciation in his voice. Yeah, thanks for pointing out, Joe. <clears throat> Tiger, I should have mentioned Joe. Tiger's man, and uh, he gets called back into the Origin side. He's been there before, but um, it'd be good to see him. Well, he'll be no doubt motivated and keen to play, and yeah, it's going to be a really good series, I believe. Um, but first game is heading to Townsville now. Yes. So they had to change the location due to Melbourne going into lockdown. I mean, it makes sense. There's a bit of an uproar from the public and also from New South Wales saying, you know, it's a bit unfair that this game is heading up to Townsville because it's like Queensland territory. Palaszczuk strikes again. (laughs) Just saying Palaszczuk strikes again. Um, If you're listening, Anastasia, like we're just, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Our our producer's salty at you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But what's the, you know, people always talk about home ground advantage. Is that something that you believe in? I do. I think Lang Park is is definitely um, in Brisbane is, is a, a really tough place for any New South Wales side to go to. Um, they don't typically have a good record there. So the hostile environment, 
When a crowd is really uh, against you, when it's a high ratio of the opposition team, you do feel it a lot as a, as a visiting team. So that energy that they can create for a home team is, is pretty useful, especially when you're in tough periods in a game and you need someone, you look around on, on your, for your teammates to get you out of a hole or to, to try and generate some momentum. But when you hear the crowd come in, it, all, it often gives you a bit of a lift and um, yeah, you can get what you need out of that. I think Townsville's a little bit different in terms of like- It's, it's so different. It's far north, but there is going to be a lot of passionate Queenslanders there. So yeah, that, that, that feeling is going to be there for the Queensland team. I will say that the New South Wales side, they'll deal with it pretty quickly and get over it. I'm sure that Brad Fittler will have them focused on what they need to accomplish as a team. And it'll be like, let's not let this be an excuse. Let's go up there, win the game, and then we'll take it back down to uh, to Sydney and to, to Lang Park and to Brisbane to, to get the series done. Couldn't have said that better myself. With the weekend in the NRL, we've been speaking about this for the past couple of weeks. However, the charges continue to roll. Yeah, 22 charges over the weekend. It's less than the weekends before, so we're trending down. That's a good thing. Uh, okay, however you want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, the, the crackdown on the rules continues. I, I'll reiterate, I think I said this last week, the rules are still the same. Mm-hmm. It's just they're being enforced a lot harder than they have before. I've got no issue with the rules saying, you cannot hit people in the head, let's stop doing it. I think people miss the point about that. We're protecting people's heads, so that's that's fine. I think players are taking a little while to adjust to this because we keep seeing the same sort of actions. And and a lot of the ones that I seen on the weekend, they weren't um, those sort of questionable accidental ones. I've seen a lot that were really careless and players put themselves in in bad positions to make tackles and uh, attackers were vulnerable. So I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time before players meet the changes and come to where they should be. But um, yeah, trending down, as I said. <laughs> True. Hopefully we see that that number drop as each week goes by. But there's 10 players facing bands. Will we run out of players? Look, there's a concern about teams not being able to feed field players if they suffer a few suspensions. We know injuries are a part of games as well. So, um, yeah, you, you want your teams to be able to field their most competitive, best sides. Um, I think as this sort of unfolds, we'll start to see more consistency with the way things are adjudicated on and players changing their techniques. Coaches will get frustrated. Coaches will get nervous about yeah, potentially losing players. So I think those changes will start to come in, but hopefully we don't get to the point where we're losing mm, players. Time will teams. tell. Time will definitely tell. Shifting our attention over to the Super Rugby scene, Crusaders prop Michael Alatoa was named to lead Manu Samoa in the upcoming series. I believe that's happening in July. How exciting. Yeah, very exciting for him. And his, his brother's played before for Manu Samoa, right? So um, keeping it in the family. And no doubt he's very proud to, to be representing. Yes, it's been a great, I guess, week for the Alatoa family. His brother, Alan, plays for the Brumbies and earned his 100th cap on the weekend. So that's um, it's a pretty sensational achievement. And um, nonetheless, I'm sure Michael is looking forward to the opportunity to lead his men. Yeah, no doubt. Well done too for Alan on that uh, achievement. 100 games in Super Rugby, is it, it can't be easy to do that. And, no way. Um, yeah, congratulations and hopefully 100 more to come. On a sweeter note, this week, Emily Cherry announced her retirement. For those who don't know who Emily is, she is an Australian rugby sevens player. She was part of the 2016 Olympic side who took out the gold. So it's um 
it's such a huge loss to the game, but she has had such a sensational career. I believe she was the 2014 World Rugby Sevens Player of the Year. Throughout her career, she scored 131 tries and she retires as the seventh highest point scorer in the sports history. What a resume. That's a huge resume. And well done, Emily, on, on your career. Did you know if she's going to be helping out um, moving forward with the Yes. Team? So I believe the, the reasoning behind her retirement is with she, – she had a baby uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, a lot of preparation obviously comes into play when you're preparing for the Olympics. And so between her husband and herself, they decided that she would take more of a support role um, – to, I guess, see the squad through to the Olympics. So um, even though she may not be donning the green and gold on the Olympic stage, she would definitely be in the fold supporting the girls. Well, congratulations, Emily. Yes, congratulations, Emily. We wish you all the best with your future. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Another new segment that we started last week is Keeping It Social. Uh, this is where we jump into some athlete accounts, some sports teams accounts, and just try and find some funny content, uh, some heartwarming stuff, but also some clever comebacks. There is, su- there is such great content on the internet this week, and one I want to talk about for sure is the South and Eels social field. Yeah, the Instagram battle that they've got going on at the moment. The, the Bunnies obviously had a big win against the Eels, 30, uh, 38 to 20, I believe the scoreline was. Yes. And- um, yeah, the Rabbitohs were quite happy with that, but the Eels weren't. They weren't. So what happened was that the Eels social media team had blocked the South Rabbitohs team on Insta. And um, we have uh, this sound clip. You just need to listen to it. It's hilarious. Thinking about so many things. I just wish things would get better. I'm trying to get rid of Sounds like an unhappy Eels social media person. <laughs> but I love the South comeback. Yes. What do they, they go looking? They go looking for the Eels account, and then they they can't find it. They 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 realise that they're blocked. Yeah, they put up this whole screen record of them trying to search for the Eels, and they're not there. And then there's this sensational like clap back piece you could always say that they posted. I don't know about you, but that song has me grooving in yeah, my it's, seat. It's a grooving song, and yeah. Very sad for the for the Parramatta Eels. You know what the best part is? I just looked quickly on Insta and they're not even following each other yet. <laughs> like this is real. The feud continues. Oh, I want to see more of it. Um, switching our attention over to the AFL, there was a really freaking great piece of content of the ball being kicked out, lands in the lap of a, of a little girl and she takes a photo with it. Yeah, she's cuddling the ball as well. She's rocking the ball. It's like she's like adopted the ball really and she's um it is sweet she's sitting there she gets a little photo with her with her dad i think it is takes a photo of her and it was a nice moment she obviously loves going to the afl loves going to the footy and she got a chance to to catch a game ball because it doesn't happen sometimes when you're at the game right and you know the ball gets kicked like everyone's trying to like catch the ball because it's just such a special moment and it lands in the lap and she's so stoked about it but then what killed me about it was in her dad just picked up the ball and chucked it back on the field well footy first the dad the dad knows nah man they've got heaps of footies in the change room (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, from what I hear, the the Swans are trying to track her down. And I I, believe they did locate her. So that's that's a really solid effort from the Swans. Well done. Someone I do want to talk about this week is Brandon Smith. He is one of the top personalities in the NRL this season. He has constantly been a personality that just makes me laugh. And what did he do this week for his birthday? 
Yeah, he celebrated his birthday in style at training. He um, whipped the shorts off and he was just training in his budgies. Like you have to have a great deal of confidence to do that. I, I don't think he lacks any confidence, uh, Brandon Smith. He, again, he, he said he was uh, one of the personalities of the competition. He certainly is the hectic cheese as he's known now. I think that, that evolved from uh, Andrew Johns, one of the, the eighth immortal, calling him a block of cheese. So he, he, he sort of reminded him of a block of cheese, the way that he ran and barreled his way through opposition and then it turned into hectic cheese. So yeah, Brandon Smith is uh, a bit of a cult hero in the game at the moment. Love that he's himself. He doesn't try and hide that. And his post-match interviews are, are awesome as well. He's just so authentic and I love that he doesn't hold back when he's in front of a camera. It's awesome. Yep. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. We're proud to bring back a brand new segment that we started last week called You Can Ask That. I guess the inspiration behind the segment is inspired by a show on ABC iView called You Can't Ask That. And basically the purpose of this is to invite questions that could be seen as controversial or pretty hard to ask and we give our honest opinion or honest answer to it. So this week, I believe, Dean, you have a question. Yeah, yeah, we've got a question and it's me asking you, Sarah, because I think you're your best place to answer this, but um, women's sport, it's obviously grown in Australia, but I wanted to know, do you feel that it's getting the respect that it deserves or is there still a lot of box ticking and a bit of lip service coming from people in general? Good question. Me personally, at times I do feel as though, yes, I first of all have to acknowledge that we have come some way in recognizing women's sport, recognizing their achievements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What I do find, however, is that often it can be box ticking. And that really does annoy me because compared to my male counterparts, I still get up every morning. I do what I have to do. I do what I have to do to want to live and earn my living. And then two out of that to be an athlete. And, um, I think sometimes when you feel like you're giving so much to your sport, all you need in return is like, yes, it's no secret. We're not on big bucks here. Like, and that's, that's fine because majority of us play for the love of the game. However, I think that the least that can be done from the Australian public or the Australian media or your club media, like whoever it is, where, where, in whatever capacity you're being involved is that the least you can do is expose us and expose us well. And that doesn't cost. What it does cost though, is your time. What it does cost is cost you, sorry, is your research and to know things about players, because I would love to see our game, you know, particularly for rugby union, I think compared to other codes, yes, we do receive love and people do know about us, but I don't necessarily think they do a great job at giving us a platform to, to expose ourselves and to show that we are, you know, very capable women that can handle a full-time job. But you know what, at the end of the day, we're fighting to put on a Jersey to represent our country. So I think that's the only thing that really gets me is that I think that, sport in general, Australian sport in general, whatever the organization, whatever the code can do a much better job at exposing their players and giving them a public profile. Because at the end of the day, right, when I finish my career, I I do what I do now to be able to build a profile so that once I hang up the boots, I can put myself into, you know, some really solid places in my chosen career, you know? And I think, well, far out. Like, how can I do it? Like, I feel so restricted because I work full time and, you know, I'm trying to do the extra, like speaking on the side to build my, build my profile. But then you could almost turn around and ask, well, like, well, can you do a little bit more for me? Like, 
what more can you do for me? Like, it's not just the promotion of rocking up to do something at a shopping center. Like it needs to be more than that. So I just think there's such incredible athletes and often we aren't given the exposure that we deserve. Do, do you think uh, one argument that, that I always hear is that, um, the generation of money and dollars and that isn't quite there yet. So do you think that the awareness and the exposure that governing bodies or sports give to the women's game, that'll go hand in hand with generating the dollars it's needed to run, to pay for athletes, to, to help it become more professional as time goes on? Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, money does come into it, but for the girls that, you know, for the absolute legends that have gone before us and laid such a strong foundation. They, there was no money included and they did such a fantastic job with what they had in their hands. And I think, well, we're now in this place where I think we can, we can no longer keep saying, Oh, there's not enough money. Or maybe when we make you guys a little bit more professional, we can do all these things that you guys want to do. Well, no, like strip back the money. Like all I'm asking is for is like, what are you actively doing to ensure that I have a great profile like my male counterpart that that's in the Wallaby side? And I think that's what the conversation comes down to is that we can often say, oh, like the girl, we need more money for this. We need more money for that. No, all I'm saying is like, show me the same energy that you show the boys. Because when there's a, a, a beautiful sponsorship announcement of, I don't know, for instance, earphones and they get earphones. Why don't I get any, like, why don't I get earphones? Like we're part of the same enterprise and like, what's the difference? So for me, I just, I always like think about this and sometimes I try not delve into it a little bit too much because then I think it starts to steal the joy um, from me that I love about rugby. And I, and I don't like that because like I play rugby because I love it and I enjoy it. And then I think when I get a bit too deep into this, I'm like, oh, why do I care? Why do I bother? Why do I play? But I try, I try to ground myself in what I do have. And what I do want to say is that I am, I genuinely am well looked after. Yes, there are parts that, that, that could be done better, but we are in a place where, yeah, I'm receiving a lot more than what I would have compared to anyone who was playing five years ago. One, one thing that I've, that I've seen happen a little bit is that because opportunities sort of go at different rates in different sports, I've seen a lot of women that, would, that are quite skilled in one sport or probably a chosen sport will jump across to another code or another sport because the opportunities there are, are ahead of the other sport. Is that something that you see a lot? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you'd be, you'd be stupid to say it doesn't exist. Like you're being, yeah, you're being silly if you say that it doesn't exist. Cause I've definitely had friends who have jumped codes because they believe there's more opportunity in, in a different code. And, you know, I say at the end of the day, it's your footy and you need to be able to enjoy it the best way that you feel like you can do that. And if that means you need to jump code, you jump code. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that happens. It's it's probably a good thing the versatility that uh, a lot of the women, the female athletes, are showing to be able to actually do that. So um, it's a big big positive, I'd say, as well. Yes, no, I guess to like wrap it all up is that I like yes, I acknowledge that we you know there's we've come some way, but I there was this this saying that has been kind of circulating in my circles of like just being grateful doesn't cut it at this point because a lot of us are giving so much. Um, but at the end of the day, the reason that, you know, I wake up and I try and make sure that I do everything that I can do to be the best rugby players because I do love the game, but I may not reap the rewards in, in my lifetime of what a fully professional athlete um, could get. But if it means that I'm being used as, you know, kind of like a platform for the girls that are coming through, then, then so be it because I know that I am where I am today because of the girls that have come before me. Well said, Sarah. Thanks very much. No, thanks, Dean. So now it's your turn. If you want to ask a question, please reach out. You can find us on Radio Australia or ABC Sport on the socials or... Sarah Nangama and Dean Halitau on Instagram. I'll spell it for you. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> ABC Radio Australia.
Can you be more Pacific? Before we wrap up the show, there was a significant holiday that took place earlier this week particularly to the island of Samoa. It was their Independence Day. So to all of our Samoan listeners that are tuning in, much love us from Dean and I and the team here at Can You Be More Pacific? Yes, happy Independence Day to all our Samoan brothers and sisters out there. We'll be back again, same time, same place next week. If you missed the show or just want to listen to The Magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time, where you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website. Soi fa, soi fua. Well there. Can You Be More Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.